This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Good morning, everybody. It is uh, with a lot of joy I stand before you here today. It's always a pleasure uh, to be able to get away from home and <laughs> uh, meet with some uh, folks that I don't get an opportunity to do that um, with. I've enjoyed the song service very much this morning, and my voice is sounding a little weak, so we'll see how that does. Um, I want to share with you a few things this morning from Hebrews. You might turn there, and we're going to stay with that text. Uh, Hebrews 12 is where we will start, and then we'll go back into Hebrews 11 a little bit. Pretty familiar passages, um, especially Hebrews 11. You might, uh, some have called it the Hall of Faith, uh, but it speaks of many uh, men and women of the past and their faith and their works that followed that just uh, was a result of their faith, that proved their faith. And we're going to talk a little about that, but hopefully with some thoughts maybe you haven't considered before and hopefully with some things that you can take home with you and give you some uh, things to, to just ponder on. I want to direct your attention to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 to start off with. <clears throat> Let's read together. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now we're going to go on and read the next two or three verses here in a little while. But I want to start off here in this first verse and catch what it's saying. Of course, the Bible and these letters and, and uh, books, as we may call them today, were not originally broken up into chapter and verse form, right? It just was a letter. Well, it helps us today to be able to get on the same text, read it together, and it makes a lot of sense to divide it up. But the problem that comes with that is sometimes we read it in sections as if there's a break in continuity or in context of Scripture. But verse 12, it starts out, Wherefore, seeing we also, or since we are also compassed about, wherefore? That word wherefore signals immediately something to us. It's, it's not that really, it's a start of a sentence, but the word itself is saying, I'm referring back to something I just talked about, right? So we're going to go back to Hebrews 11 here in a moment because in context, that's what he was talking about. But he goes on, he says, Wherefore, seeing, or that word really means since, we are also compassed about. That word compassed, let's look at that for a moment. The word compass is uh, uh, being compassed about. Take the root word compass, it's exactly what you're thinking like a compass that would give you direction, right? And it's all direction. We are compassed about. It means to be just surrounded, north, south, east, west, all around us. That's what it's saying. It says, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed around, so we are surrounded by, and listen as it goes on, with so great a cloud of witnesses. The word cloud is what it sounds like. Think of a cloud on ground, fog. 
It's very dense all around you. Everywhere you look is just fog, right? Well, in this sense, what he's talking about is a cloud of witnesses, densely populated. We have witnesses all around us, okay? That's a comforting thought, and I'll explain a little more about that as we go on. But, so let's look at that again. Wherefore, so he's speaking of something else. We're going to go to that in a moment. We also are compassed about, surrounded by, all around us, a great cloud of witnesses, very densely populated witnesses all around us. That's intriguing, isn't it? What is that cloud of witnesses? What is it? Let's go on. He, he goes on to say after that, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Have you ever noticed that sin does easily beset us? How easy it is to say something, to do something, to think something. Before you're really even almost aware of what you're doing, I mean, we know. You know, our brain's at work before we act, so technically it's there, but how quickly we say something we shouldn't have said. How quickly we can commit a sin and afterwards go, what in the world was I thinking? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And I'm as guilty as anybody in that. How quickly it besets us. He said, let us lay aside every weight. You ever had weights on you? Felt like you had a weight, a burden, something very heavy that you're dealing with that's just got all your attention right now, right? You wouldn't know it by looking at me today, but I used to run. <laughs> and I looked a little more fit maybe when I was young. And I was thin. And I could run. I might have been short, but I was really quick. I was fast. But we used to train putting uh, ankle weights on our ankles. Some of you are probably familiar with that. And we would train like that, run with the weights on our ankles. The thought was, the theory was, and I think it to be true, that when the race time comes, you pull those ankle weights off of you and you can run faster. You feel like the burden has been lifted and you could run the race a lot faster with a lot more ability and win the race theoretically. I won some. I won many. But when you have the weight on and it's holding you back, it restricts you, right? It draws a lot of focus. You're like, man, I'm just burdened down. I'm weighted. Can't I be freed from that? And that's what he says. Lay aside the weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Man, it's so true when you think about that. And so then he says, and let us run with patience. Uh, that word patience really speaks of perseverance. That's what that, the, in the Greek, the word actually means perseverance. So it's patience to do that, right? But to persevere, to, to conquer, to win the race, okay? So don't give up the fight. Go the distance. Persevere, okay? And so he says, let us run with perseverance or patience the race that is set before us. Our life is compared to a race that is before us, much like running that race. 
that I had to remove those weights so I could run it more successfully, right? Our life is compared to that race. We have a race to run. We hear that terminology a lot. We have a race to run, and the idea is to persevere, right? To gain what's at the end of that race. And so that's what he's talking about, our race in life, our, our spiritual race, our conquering of that. Now then, I want to back up, because we mentioned the word wherefore says I'm talking or referring back to something I've already talked about. Let's see what he was talking about. So I want to go all the way back to the beginning of chapter 11. I'm going to just kind of skim through this. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I'll tell you what verses we're on as we go. But verse 1, <coughs> pardon me. Verse 1, he says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. That Greek word that's translated good report means witness. Um, it's, it's the life that he lived that provided a good report. And I'm going to give more clarification to that as we go on. But it says, for it, faith, the elders obtained this good report because of their faith. Now, he's about to go on and talk about these elders. He's going to talk about all these men and women who persevered in their life, who walked by faith, who walked by faith and responded in faith and proved their walk in life was one of perseverance, one of faith in God. They weren't seeking their own. They were seeking to please God. And so in verse 4, he begins to to this list of uh, men and women that had previously lived. He starts out here with Abel, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness, and there's that word for good report that we just talked about. It's the same word. In one spot, it's translated good report. In this spot, it's translated witness. It's the same word, and it literally means what you have proven, that which you've seen, that which you've done, and proven or made, established, if you will, a good report. Or your report. If you think about it like in a court, and you're a witness to something, you're establishing what you saw, what you heard, uh, what you know, as a witness in court, okay? It's closely tied to that word, and we'll come to that word here in a moment, uh, where it's specifically used. But it's still tied to that. It's that idea, okay? It's a well-established good report, his life or their life, okay? Abel's in this case. So he says, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. The good report was that he was righteous. That was his legacy. That's what he left. That was his testimony. Okay? And it, then it goes on, God testifying of his gifts and by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Now that gets my attention too. He's dead and gone. Long time gone, right? Abel lived a long time ago. Right near the beginning of creation. Adam and Eve's son. Now what does it say? While he's dead, he's still speaking. And he is. We're reading about him and talking about him right now. Is he speaking to us? Yes, his life that he lived was a witness 
to what we are now reading. We can read his testimony. And in fact, it says, this is what, was, what he obtained, um, the report he obtained, that he was righteous. Now, wouldn't you like that next to your name at the end of your life? He or she was righteous. What a testimony. That would speak volumes. And it does when we read about Abel, who, who offered a more pleasing sacrifice, but it was by faith that he did that. Whatever the other little details you could talk about in that Abel and Cain story, the bottom line was Abel offered what he, what he had before God in faith. He believed God. And so he did what God wanted him to do. That was Abel, and that was his life. He was righteous. That's what we remember Abel for today. Because that's what it says. Okay? Go on to verse 5. By faith, Enoch. You remember Enoch? He was one that didn't see death. Physical death. He just, like, walked right up into heaven. God just took him. I can't even wrap my head around that. I don't understand that. But that was his legacy. That was his life. Look what it says. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. His testimony. There's that word again. That good report. That testimony. What his life really showed. Okay, what did he say? He had this testimony that he pleased God. I really would like that testimony. I would like God to have that to say about me. I pleased God. My life is summed up in these three words. <laughs> he pleased God. I mean, what more could you ask for? And that was, that's why we call this the Hall of Faith. When we read chapter 11, right? He goes on in verse 6, says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now that's interesting language there for what we're about to get into here in a moment. And I, we'll get to it in a moment. Verse 7, Noah we remember the story of Noah. Uh, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You see, he had righteous, and I, a, a label, if you will, of righteousness because of his faith. It's the same way. You get to verse 8, you look at Abraham and Sarah. Uh, yeah, let me go ahead and read that. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whether he went. So just keep in mind, Abraham hears God talking to him. Now, tradition and history writings suggest that Adam's family, Adam, Abraham, his family was idol makers and things like that. That was what he came out of, apparently. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but you can get that from other sources. But that's the thought. And God calls him, and Abraham believed in a living God, not these idols. 
So he believes in this living God and he moves. God says, go to a country, I'll show you. And he goes, not knowing where he's going. But he believes God and he takes off and he just goes where God wants him to go. It's incredible in some ways you think about that. What are you thinking? <laughs> You're hearing voices and you start following. No, he believed God. And it meant something. Let's go on. Uh, let's see. He obeyed. He went out not knowing whether he, whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. You see, God has made a promise. So verse 10, here's the bottom line promise. There were at least three different promises, three different levels to this promise. But here was the bottom line, and here's what it was all about. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob, they were looking for a home that hands didn't make. They were looking for something far beyond what the life was offering them in the flesh. And so they're looking. They're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Okay? Look at verse 13. Speaking of Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, all of them. Verse 13 says, These all died in faith. Look. Not having received the promises. So was it in vain? They died not receiving the promises that God had promised them. No, listen to it. But having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, the promises, okay, and embraced them, so they believed the promises, they embraced the promises. They knew that God had something better for them than in this life. And they're looking for it. That's what they're looking for. And they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You see, we're just here temporarily. They knew that. They understood that. They understood there's something that they're looking forward to. But you see, we're just passing through this earth. This time here. We're just passing through. We're strangers. Okay? He goes on. Let me always find my place back here. <laughs> Confess that they were strangers and pickers on the earth. Verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. You see, they're speaking plainly. They're strangers here. They're seeking a country that's not yet theirs. They've not yet experienced they're seeking, and they died in faith, we read earlier, just a moment ago, okay? Now then, verse 17, by faith, by faith, keep that in context, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise uh, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it is said that in Isaac shall all thy seed be blessed. Now why did he do that? It's hard for us, again, to wrap our minds around that. I would be hard-pressed to want to sacrifice up my only son that's been promised to me. But he trusted God. And verse 19 tells us why. He was accounting that God was able to raise him up. 
You see, this is the living God. He knew that even if he sacrificed Isaac, God could raise him up. Even though he was the promised son of Abraham. God would raise him up. I don't know about you, but that's faith. To have an understanding that even if I take his life in a sacrifice for God, that God can raise him back up because I know the promises are in him. Isaac is where my promise that I was given uh, happens through Isaac. So God could raise him up, even from the dead, from whence he also received him in figure. So then in verse 20, 21, 22, 23, we read of Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, just example after example after example in the Old Testament. And then we get to verse 24. And we get to Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. <coughs> Pardon me. You remember that Moses was raised in Pharaoh's house. Remember all that story? He was hidden. The Pharaoh's daughter found him. And he's raised in Pharaoh's house. Oh, my goodness. A life of luxury. Every amenity he ever could have dreamt of. That was Moses. But look what it says. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He made a choice. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side, I'm going to be with my people, my family, the children of Israel, okay? Okay, look at verse 26. This begins to really open this up. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Now I read that and go, wait, Christ wasn't in the Old Testament? Well, not in the flesh. Not as we see Him in the Gospels, right? But was He present? That's a whole other sermon. But we see threads and pictures and ideas of Christ and His salvation all throughout the Old Testament. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says, Moses esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures he could have had in Egypt. He made a choice, right? For something spiritual, for something beyond the flesh. Moses made that choice. I'm going to suffer for God. I'm going to suffer for Christ, okay? And so he goes on. For he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Verse 27, By faith he forsook Egypt, fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, Moses saw something beyond the flesh, didn't he? It's, it's amazing. When you really get to breaking down and looking at the, all these, I want to say characters, character sounds fake to me, um, these people, uh, they were real, they lived, <laughs> and this is the life that they lived. They saw something much deeper than just what they saw with their physical eyes. Okay. Uh, let's see. Skip down to verse 30. You see Joshua and Rahab mentioned some more people of faith. Uh, in verse 32. Let's pick it up right there. And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. See, he just mentioned the rest of them right there. 
All of these other men and women of God who by faith lived their lives seeking a country that they could not attain in this life, yet they were looking ahead. And look what he says in verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in the fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain. <coughs> slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. My goodness. Did you really hear all of that? All the variety and, and, and uh, abundant different things that these people went through for the sake of their future beyond this life. Some of it was torturous, horrible. And I look at these examples and go, wow, my life. I can't even relate to that. Of course, we're in this country, at least for now, that has uh, some freedoms attached to it and things like that. And we're at general, generally peace, right? And so we can live our lives in peace and, and that type of thing. We don't suffer a lot of persecution. And I think of that, how can my life even compare to these, and why is that important? We'll come back to that in a moment when we get back into chapter 12. But man, wow. Listen to verse 39. And these all, all of these that we've talked about and read, all of these men and women of faith that we go back and that we're referring to here as we get into chapter 12, he said, and these all, having obtained a good report, there's that word again, good report, testimony, Okay, through faith, received not the promise. Again, I ask, was their life lived in vain? They had been promised all these things by God, and they lived for Him, they obeyed Him, they sacrificed, they even died for Him. And they didn't receive the promise. That's what the verse says. But read the next one. Verse 40, God, having provided some better thing for us, that they, the ones I've just talked about, without us, should not be made perfect. And that's key. That verse is key right there. You see, they saw something that sometimes we struggle to see past this life. But they saw it, and they moved with fear, and they obeyed God. They walked by faith, absolute faith. To do what would please God, knowing that their promises were coming. And they died. They're still waiting on their promises, or they were at this point, right? They're waiting on their promises. Now, it's interesting. 
God had a plan that they should not receive those promises without us. Now we know looking back, we can see that a little clearer looking back over history, reading the Bible, both sides of that, Old Testament and New Testament, and we see that the culmination of that happening at the cross when Jesus came to die for the sins of all the world, all of those in the past and all the way up to today for us, right? And the future. It happened with Christ's crucifixion and His resurrection. That was the time that they would receive their promise just as we received our promise together. Together. Now, back into chapter 12. Let's read that with all of that in mind. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That word witness literally is the judicial word witness which is as if you are showing up in court as a witness to what you saw or knew or whatever, that you're not biased one way or the other. You're just speaking what you know, what you saw as a witness, okay? And that's what all these are doing, okay? They know. They've already lived it. They've already lived it. They know. And they're speaking to us today. Their testimony to us today is to endure to persevere. It is worth it. Don't give up. That is their testimony to us today. And so it is if they are cheering us on. Go for it. Don't give up. Don't let get rid of the sin, get rid of the weight. Don't let it hold you back. Endure. It's all worth it, okay? That's really the message there. Verse 2. So he's given us this great example of all these men and women of faith. And now look at verse 2. He's right prior to that. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. So who do we really need to look to? I mean, he gave us all these examples. They're great to look to. But here's where it's important. Looking unto Jesus... the author and finisher or completer of our faith. Keep in mind, Jesus started this race and He ended this race. He's the author and the finisher of it, the completer of this race, okay? Who do we need to look for? When we're, when we're running a race, surely we're looking at the goal, right? We're looking at the finish line. We're looking at, at the object, the prize maybe, right? We have something in mind, something in focus that we run till we can't run anymore. I mean, it means everything to us. We must attain it. And that's what he's saying. Jesus is our goal. He is the one to look to. So look, let's continue. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He persevered. He dealt with the cross. He endured it. Despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus won his race, didn't he? He completed it. He went all the way to the cross and died for each one of us. Every one of us. He died for them, the ones he had just spoken of in the past. But he died for us. And that's where it's really important for us to know and to recognize and appreciate and to respond to in faith. Okay? 
Now, let's continue. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him. So he's going a little deeper on this idea of looking at Jesus. Okay? He says, consider him, Jesus, that endured such contradiction, such animosity, such hatred. That's what that word means there. Consider him that endured such hostility of sinners against himself, lest ye also be wearied and faint in your mind. You see, if you're running the race and you've got your eyes on Jesus, there's no better object, first of all, to be focusing on. That's what it's all about. He's what it's all about, right? But if we take our eyes off of him, what can happen? What happens when we take our eyes off the goal? We lose focus. We begin to carry burdens and and weights and whatever in our lives that we should be casting on him. That's what Peter said. I like how he said, cast all your care upon him, Jesus, for he careth for you. There's nobody who cares more for you than Jesus. Not your husband, not your wife, not your friends. Not anybody in this world can care for you like Jesus does. And that's important to know, to have faith in, to believe and know that our Savior is one who truly does know our burdens and our cares. The writer of Hebrews again says he was tempted in all points, just like you and I are, yet without sin. He might have been tempted to do sin. He didn't commit the sin. He understands what we go through. He truly gets it when we're struggling with something. He had his struggles, didn't he? He had his struggles. I remember many a times, sometimes his struggle was with his own apostles. But his real struggles was in the garden, when he prayed, the trial and crucifixion, being nailed to the cross. And bigger than that, Bearing the sins of the entire world upon him so that you could be saved. So that you could be freed from your sin. That's what he did for you. Nobody understands the trials you go through more than he does. And so like Peter said, we can hurl all of our cares and our burdens, our weights, our concerns, our anxieties... All upon Him. And we stay focused on the Lord as we run our race. And when we do that, He lightens that load for us. It keeps us focused, keeps us on track, okay? Now listen. We don't want to become weary and faint in our minds when we take our eyes off of Jesus. We want to stay focused. Look at verse 4. He reminds these readers here, It's just such a powerful verse. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. All these examples that we talked about, some of them gave their lives for Him, believing in these promises and receiving these promises, ultimately, at Jesus' offering. Mm. They gave, they resisted, the temptation. Now, this is where I look at this. 
I look at this list of things, the violence of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, uh, weaknesses were made strong, uh, women received their dead raised to life, others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder. That means they were cut in half with a saw. <laughs> it's not a pretty picture. But that was for the sake of following God and not denying Him. That's the things that they did. And I look at that list and go, I, I can't even relate. I feel so ashamed almost. I haven't suffered like that. I mean, somebody made fun of me once, you know. Those type of things. I mean, that's about as bad as it gets, generally, right? Some of you may have had more than me. <coughs> but I look at this. Can I truly please God? And then I look at this list again. You know what also was included? Weakness. Mockings. That's fair. Being destitute. Maybe being without, not sure where the next meal's coming from. I've actually been in that spot. I wasn't starving. But I've been pretty tough at times. I understand that. But more than that, in verse 37, I want you to look at this. On the second line in my Bible, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted. That's where it applies to me. I'm tempted. They were tempted. And that was in a list of hardships in service, in faith, to serve God. And I'm tempted. And I've got to resist it, right? And so look at verse 4 again in chapter 12. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. He's saying, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. You've not given your blood like these yet. And especially like Christ. You've not taken it to the length. You've not persevered yet. You're still in the race. And let me tell you, if you're alive today, you're still in the race. <laughs> Persevere. You've not resisted unto blood. I'm, I'm looking at you. You've not given your life. Take it to that point if that's what's necessary. Take it to the point that you would give your life for the Lord. That's what they did. But let me tell you where it really counts right now. Is that I, that I strive against sin. I stay in the fight against sin. By the way, usually we say I'm striving with such and such. And that's almost like cast away as an excuse or something. Yeah, I'm struggling with it. Struggling with sin, right? That's where that word strive means, struggling. I'm struggling with that. Which really kind of means... I'm still having a problem with it. I've given in to it. I've not. What he's saying is stay in the struggle. Strive. Fight for it. It's worth it. And that's what all these witnesses are telling us. It's worth it. The promise is worth it. Church, the promise is worth it. Stay in the struggle. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. If it takes you all the way to death to serve the Lord, stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. So easily, we want to be beset. Or we are beset by our sin. We let it get in the way. And then maybe we feel guilty. 
And maybe we feel convicted, but we're too ashamed. And we don't think we can receive forgiveness. We don't think our brothers and sisters will forgive us. We don't think Jesus will forgive us because my sin is too great. Is that true? Can you out-sin God's grace for you? No. No, He loves you. He loves you. Which is why He gave His life to begin with. The struggle is worth it. I'm saying this as a 61-year-old man who's lived life and who still struggles with that same thing. Sin that's always before me. It's always so easy to give in or to say something I shouldn't say and to have a wrong attitude, to, to not be who I really need to be in Christ. I need to stay in the fight, right? Right up to the end. I see a lot of younger faces here from my perspective. A lot of younger faces. And brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, even at this stage in my life, it is worth it. Don't give up. Stay in the fight. Struggling against sin. You struggle. You struggle. You strive. You fight. That word uh, striving, by the way, literally means to kick, to fight off. It's, it's like a physical picture of a fight. And you fight. That's what he's saying. You fight against sin. You don't give in. You've not taken it to blood yet, bloodshed. And if that's what it takes, will that be worth it? It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it. It was worth it for all these that we read about. It's worth it for us. I hope you found some encouragement in this and you look at Hebrews 11 and 12. When you go back and really look at some of this, you get a great benefit to see the picture that God is laying out for us a path that leads to eternity where we become immortal. This mortality changes to immortality. We get new bodies, new outlook, no pain. Can't wait for that one. <laughs> no pain, no heartache, no sadness, no death. That's what I look forward to. And I hope you do too. hope you found something uh, beneficial to you that you can uh, take with you today and, and spend the week maybe even contemplating and thinking about these things that God has promised us. How blessed we are. What a blessed people we are to be counted among His children. If you're not a child of His, we want to extend that invitation and that opportunity uh, right now as we stand and sing this song. We invite you to come forward and we'll minister to you any way that we can. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.